0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Deep State Radio. I'm your host, David Rothkopf, coming to you from New York City, coming to you from uh, our nation's capital, as she is with us every Thursday, is Dr. Kavita Patel, who is of a lot of places. She's a doctor, practicing physician. She's with Brookings. She was in the Obama administration. How are you doing today, Kavita?
1: I'm doing shockingly well for me.
0: Wow. That is shockingly well for you, and we're I'm yeah, delighted to hear that. It is. And we're joined today also by an uh, old uh, friend here, Harry Littman, a former U.S. attorney, former deputy assistant attorney general. He's the creator and executive producer of the Talking Feds podcast, an excellent podcast if you have to listen to two, um, uh, <laughs> and, and, and you should. Uh, he's a L.A. Times legal columnist. He's a regular commentator on MSNBC, on CNN, on Fox. For DC Comics. No, I made up that last part. And he is an active uh, litigator and teaches constitutional law and national security. Both of you guys are busy a lot. Hi, Harry. Are you in California? I am. I'm in La Jolla, the jewel, uh,
2: a little bit north of San Diego. All all is well here.
0: If I could pick one place to be in the United States, it would be La Jolla, California. That's you can. You can really. What could I do there? Yeah. What what do you mean
2: the the exact Exactly. I, yeah, I didn't come here for the work, came here for the water, but now, now, you know, you cobble up some kind of job together, it'll
0: work out. Do you spend your morning surfing or something?
2: My wife does. So the, the very quick story is she didn't want to move here for all the normal reasons, wealth and and beauty uh, obsession and stuff. And she gave it a shot. And now five years later, the first thing she does when she gets up is check the waves report. And she and my 13-year-old go daily.
0: That's a, one of those things people always say, you know, yeah, no, I didn't want to move there because it's too beautiful. The people have too much money and they're too obsessed <laughs> right. with how beautiful they are. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's the way it was when I was growing up in New Jersey, that's exactly what we would I say. I know, just that. the same. Um, look, I wanna talk about a bunch of things. There's a lot to talk about sort of from both of your specialties. I'm gonna throw you a bit of a curveball here, Harry, because I wanna start with one that's outside the legal uh, realm. But today we passed uh, 200 million vaccinations in the United States in, in, in something like 93 days of the Biden administration. When the Biden administration started, we were lagging the world in all this stuff. And now here we are. Um, just about three months later and we are one of the world leaders and you know other countries are going I wish we were like the United States the Europeans or I wish we were or <laughs> Canada as I, you know, if only we could do it like the US it's an amazing feat and I think we take it for granted but it's an amazing feat you know and people talk about first hundred days and you know the, in the FDR's first hundred days he did a whole bunch of things there were only 135 million people in the United States when FDR was the president of the United States doing something of this logistical scale. You know, he created some remarkable programs that employed several million people doing something of this logistical scale is just mind boggling. And I just don't want to let it sort of slide. I just mm-hmm. want to note it. So I want to get both of your reactions to it, whatever they are, and then we'll turn our uh, attentions to uh, some of the other things, including the, uh, the trial in minnesota this week but uh
2: yeah so a few things a duly noted but it's really um true first tip of the hat to ron Klein chief of staff there you know he cut his teeth as ebola czar and he was really the ideal person to be trying to run this and he has been you know point person and and has done a phenomenal job but it but People are noting it. The podcast, um, you know, Talking Feds. We had a foreign affairs episode out currently with Fiona Hill, who's who's amazing, by the way, and David Frum, Evan McMullen, and their point was that the achievements in foreign affairs are propelled by the success here. That is, it's been around the world, a game changer for the U.S. in overall prestige and reputation to all of a sudden be out front from so far you know lagging behind exactly on the on the vaccine and the third point i'll make i don't know if, if anyone wanted to discuss this but is um this weird phenomenon of these continuing vaccine you know recalcitrants or deniers i stepped into a minefield that i didn't know was there with, uh, with a, a group of them when I, when I tweeted briefly about a vaccine passport. Um, but you know, you still have up to 50% of Republican males say they don't want to be vaccinated. And so these numbers uh, are more impressive in the face of that you know, headwind against them and people who are actually resisting uh, getting a vaccine for whatever bizarre reason.
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 all great points. Kavita, what's your reaction to this?
1: Yeah, I think it is incredible. And look, we're getting close to, I didn't even think President Biden as accomplished as he is, as amazing as his team is. I thought that doing 100 million by 100 days, which we're just short of still, was not was was over promising. I wanted him to kind of under promise and over deliver, and and boy has he over delivered in all regards. And and I'll just take it a level below. Ron Klain deserves a lot of attention. I'm gonna go just a couple of levels below and say that you know it's people like Tim Manning who nobody really knows, but yeah. he's kind of in charge of raw goods and supplies and supply chain. I mean when the Biden folks took over, it was things like ampules and vials and the bags in which the kind of vaccine particles are handled. That was what was going to slow down, like Pfizer, Moderna, and all of them from producing vaccine. And so it took somebody who nobody knows and won't ever kind of get the recognition. But he literally came in, assessed, and took the DPA, which Trump actually had invoked but didn't do anything with. And then took it a step further and used the dpa to get those raw materials done so i think the um but i i do think david just to offer a little bit of having been a fed um to offer a little bit of an asterisk that all goes away if in six months the vert you know the, the entire world is still spinning like india is today and we don't play a role in kind of being supportive and all you have to do is look at like little greta thunberg who like basically just tore a new asshole into all the countries including the united states oh we
2: allowed to say tore a new asshole oh am i not oh, yeah. allowed to say oh no 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 it's great okay
1: <laughs> i, actually, I mean- in kavita's
0: contract
2: she's <laughs> That's- say that once. it's a great I- it's a great I mean- expression it's just a, it's just a, such a, su- a superb expression but i interrupted i i actually had a quick question for you kavita which is does the johnson and johnson hiccup um Matt, effect, you know, is it, is it significant in these overall numbers?
1: it's It's not significant in the overall numbers. It's going to be a problem in kind of when you drill down and look at the last mile kind of the populations that are just hard to get to for a variety of different reasons. right. it's It is going to play a role. I do expect, um, as we're taping this, we're a day away from the CDC's advisory group kind of quote, reviewing the pause. I suspect even if the pause the pause should get lifted with maybe some caveats around who should get the vaccine. I think it's going to still pose an overhang. And I'll just give you one anecdotal example from, I had about 20% of my patients who were scheduled for J&J refused to get rescheduled when I spent a lot of time and probed into deeper why they don't want to. They're like, it was interesting. They're not MAGA people. These are just regular people who actually do want to get vaccinated. But they said, well, you told me six cases isn't a lot, but they paused it. Don't you think they're hiding something from us and there's something worse? Mm -hmm. So we should just wait and see what happens in a couple of months and then I'll get the vaccine. So I think that's what we're going to face.
0: Yeah. By the way, everybody, Kavita touched on something important there, uh, uh, which perhaps we'll discuss in some future episode. But India is a complete catastrophe. Oh. right? I think there were three hundred thousand new cases yesterday. I mean, it, it they, they've been wrong about their numbers, but yeah. this the everything that can go wrong is going wrong, and you know you could end up with new Indian strains coming here and. Mm-hmm screwing everything up Mm -hmm. so keep keep an eye on that uh anyway i didn't want to let that slide by without being noticed one of the reasons that we're so happy to have harry here is that there's been a lot of legal issues in the news uh want to talk about several of them um and uh obviously the first is that we had the uh derek chauvin verdict this week um which uh you know produced i think to some extent sigh of relief because it seemed like an obvious verdict to reach. But at the same time, appropriately, I think it produced a lot of response from people saying, well, you know, one correct decision doesn't solve the problem. There's, there is a systemic issue out there. And that was demonstrated um, almost simultaneously by shooting of an of a, uh, African-American girl in Columbus, Ohio. Um, uh d- you know, the same day, you know, there've been several uh, incidents like this during the course of this trial. Um, What was your reaction, Harry, to the decision? Uh, And what do you think are the things that, you know, sort of loom in its way? Well, so two very different questions. I mean,
2: the the trial was just really well handled from the start by the prosecution. They had and, and remember, um, it was initially when we first heard about the the shooting, the county uh, was going to handle it. They brought forward a criminal complaint that was a mess in six different ways. And Keith Ellison stepped in and insisted on, you know, invoked his authority as the AG, and really had a very professional operation. We've seen. I worked on the Rodney King federal retrial and that's just one example of of cases in which the first trial seems blundered these guys really were very solid you know not and not spectacular in some ways on purpose that is they were understated solid prosecutors of course they had a great you know they got dealt a very strong hand and you just don't have it's not only that there's video, which has changed the entire um, uh, area profoundly, right? The initial police reports here, before they knew of the video, were were laundered in the way that that's always been the case. But then you normally have these sorts of scrums in a, in the heat of the moment that really could go either way, and the and here instead we had the. Nine uh, minutes and twenty-nine seconds, and the inexplicable—you know, the the well, except as wicked—you um, know, a, example of excessive force. So it was a strong hand that they played well. The defense had a weak hand that it played poorly, even given its weak hand. And ten hours is a very short. Um, deliberation, especially for, they seem to be a conscientious jury, and they moved through it quickly. It was just an indication of a clean sweep for the prosecution. So everything went the way it's supposed to go. God bless that, and got you know, and and in such a high-profile case. Okay, but now, what have you done for me lately? As you're as you're suggesting, I mean, there in some ways, I've been struck by the absence of or, or at least the um, the tempered quality of this sort of sigh of relief and people turning immediately to the question that you've posed in some ways it seems to uh, rather than saying okay we're you know maybe maybe the system is is working okay and we can see what happens the next time there's an impatience to jumpstart a kind of national um, response that the uh, act in Congress is going to be renewed, and there's a lot of kind of activism on the ground. I'll just say it's a more complicated topic here. I, you know, we the Department of Justice was quick to come in with the uh, pattern and practice authority that Trump and and Barr had, or actually not not um, not Barr, um, but Sessions had gotten rid of. Merrick Garland has revived and is coming into Minnesota to do it, uh, but there will be, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's this sense of the whole system being awry and really um, have to think about root and branch um, solutions, and I'm ambivalent about some of those. That is, I don't think that police departments now are, by and large, you know racist as opposed to individuals within them the problem is they don't respond well the way minnesota did here and really call out when they're when their colleagues in fact go rogue but um i i think that there's going to be a lot of sort of national debate about how far do we want to go now for systemic reform i'll just leave it at that and Serve it up for for your for your views, but that that we really have done a very sharp pivot to a very big national policy discussion. You know, in the day or two since the verdict came down.
0: Well, let me let me ask you a question, Kavita. You may you may want to uh, ask another question of Harry also. But yeah. but uh, my, you know, you're in Washington. You've been watching Washington a long time. You've worked on the Hill. You've worked in the White House. You've seen how politics works in the United States. This is kind of an interesting and, and case and, and repellent in many respects, not the least of which is, there is a video of a man committing a heinous crime for which there is no defense, for which he was convicted on three different counts, for which he may go to jail for 65 years or something like that,
2: Let's talk about that later. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, sure. And, um, and the GOP messaging apparatus has decided they're going to defend this. They've decided that they're going to call this a miscarriage of justice, say that this is dangerous for America, um, uh, sort of take the side of of, of Derek Chauvin in this. Um, and I mean, they've just, they've gone from, I, mean, I, 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 I didn't think I could be shocked anymore by their overt racism following Charlottesville and some of these other things. But the past couple of days in response to this have been just stunning. Are you shocked? Or? I'm
1: not, and I'll tell you why, because I know Harry, I do want to hear, and I have questions for Harry as well, um, not about Chauvin, but related to Mac- you know, just to the slew of other potential cases, um, as you can see them lining up, Adam Toledo, et cetera. I'm not shocked, David, and I'll tell you why. My great home state of Texas, one of the few times the Texas state legislature, not known for their liberal sentiments, might actually strike down uh, a, a carry bill for guns because the, you know, the brotherhood, the police, the unions do not want to support it. So imagine that, if you can take down kind of um, expansive freedoms to carry guns in a state like Texas because of the polling. And one thing I have learned working on the Hill, all three of us know it, everything has to do with fundraising and polling and what the midterms could look like. So do not think this is about moral character for one second. This has everything to do with shoring up the base and even at, in Texas's case, at the expense of people who are gun advocates, think about that. And so none of it surprises me one bit. In fact, I will be I, I was telling a friend when the show when the verdict came in, and I was on pins, I did kind of hold my breath, not knowing exactly what would unfold. Harry had a better assessment of it, but I I remember in that moment thinking, I bet you anything McConnell and the others come out with kind of a well-versed rebuke of the verdict if it comes out against Chauvin. And and it's because of the po- it's because of what we know about what they want to support. I'm actually frankly surprised we didn't see more um, chatter. I, I guess there could be, but we don't see it on social media yet, the chatter from from the kind of extreme right and in terms of like inciting violence and and some of the things that we saw around January six. I bet you if Ryan were here or Harry, you may know, but I, I'm sure it's there, but I thought it would be even higher. So none of it shocks me.
2: The one thing I'll say in response to to that, I mean, it shocked me a little because I actually thought the party line on the right was, you know, based going from Trump on down. This was a heinous murder, but people are, but we don't like Black Lives Matter. You're I, I was surprised at the resp- at the response, and I don't know if you saw Tucker Carlson's on uh, response on Fox, but basically, it was the only reason this happened is because um, not just Democrats but activists scared the jury into thinking Minnesota would burn. Otherwise, it was you know it's a Maxine Waters issue, and uh, so, and I and I think Kavita's dead on that it it has to do with an in the moment assessment of polling and what they where they can try to make some hay. But I, yeah, I was I was a little bit surprised that they that they would take this one on. But you know, I've been surprised before too, so much so that I shouldn't be surprised anymore.
1: And Harry, I'm curious. Uh, it sounds like you wanted to talk about just the, the verdict, and I am curious about that question regarding kind of what do you see as kind of the legal path forward. Uh, I, I mean, it was kind of unconscionable to me that as the verdict was being like read that you had kind of Makia, you know, you had this like case of a 16 year old, you know, who who had a knife who had had some set of yeah. like activity and body cam footage, which I will say at least that was released pretty swiftly. And yeah. it didn't seem like they were trying to hide it.
2: That's been a big change, by the way, in the last 15 years. Police departments resisted that. They're everywhere. It's also another game changer. But
1: how do you play that? I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, it's like Keith Ellison, who I thought had some of the best words, you know, it's not about justice, it's accountability. What is your take legally on where this goes going forward? Is this just every is this like we saw with the Catholic Church? Now, every police officer is going to kind of come under like murder charges, or that'll be the pressure on prosecutors. What does that look like?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's jurisdiction by jurisdiction, but each of these now becomes cause celebs. And, and there are, I, I think there will be pressure on local um, prosecutors. You know, we, the, the, the first episode uh, from the week, I'm now um, blanking on her name, but the 25-year-old who, who, who shot right in the in the chest that's the kind of case, I mean, they, they they brought charges the day after. You know, now it's, it's the case that um, I, I'm not surprised would be charged if you look at it, but it's a manslaughter charge, but that they said, we're ready the next day to come forward with charges was striking. That would not have happened, you know, a year ago. You'd say, look, you want to, she obviously would. It seemed to me fairly obvious that she wasn't intending. Now the charges are not that she intend that she uh, did it intentionally, but it was a very quick uh, kind of of uh, charge brought forward. So I, I think you will see more of these, and you know the overall record. I hadn't realized till I looked in the wake of the of the actual Shelvin case. There there really are sort of few and far between of these convictions. I know about them from the federal side where the the success rate is a little bit, is is a lot higher. So there's still going to be tough cases. You're still going to face jurors who have faith in police and unlike the Chauvin case, will have a judgment call about something that happens in split second timing, et cetera. And my biggest worry here is that each become a bellwether for, uh, you know, the national, um, mo- any, the next acquittal, and there could be an acquittal and maybe a, a fair acquittal will will sort of bring the, the house down. There's so much for prosecutors, there's, Minnesota is the best example. There's just so much pressure on each of these cases that go above and beyond the facts and the law and, and you know, what what's the proper verdict. So that's just a rough situation for the justice system overall. And yeah, I do foresee a series of cases where the stakes are unduly high. It's big enough already within a community, but now there's somehow going to be stand-ins for the state of racial politics in America. That's That's not a good Individual excessive force cases are not a good way to advance that debate.
0: So, both of you, help me out with this. Yeah, um, uh, I'll start with Kavita and then and then get Harry's reaction as well. Um, I, I I I look at this. I see this as a big issue. The vice president of the United States was the attorney general of California. She ran. Uh, on on addressing this issue. The Democrats ran on it, many Democrats ran on addressing this issue. It is very clear that police reform is needed in the United States of America from many, many different levels. Um, whether it has to do with qualified immunity, whether it has to do with how many police have weapons, how they use their weapons, what has to do with, you know, should the police be the ones dealing with mental illness in our society? Should they right. be the ones mm-hmm. dealing with homelessness yep. in our society? It's not all about defunding the police, but it may be about restructuring the police and, and, and so forth. The Biden administration has been very quick to move on a lot of things. They have not been quick to move on this. It would have been a very easy thing for the president of the United States to turn to the vice president and say, Madam Vice President, you are an attorney general. You are now in charge of a commission. We are going to go and look into this. We need to reform policing in America.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He hasn't done it. That, now, Merrick Garland got in within a few days of becoming attorney general. He said, we're going to change the rules with regard to consent decrees, make it easier to go after uh, some of these police mm-hmm. cases, reverse something that was done by the Trump administration. Why? Kavita and then Harry. Why? Have, I mean, why, why isn't this happening?
1: I'm going to give my very brief but cynical. I, I, it was never going to happen because at the end of the day. We you will not hear you've heard President Biden say that he does not promote the idea of defunding the police. And it's because he's also looking at the very same like numbers around union support and a lot of the things that in the Democratic Party. I say this is a very proud Democrat that we have held to be true, that even if there are clear kind of problems within policing law authorities, which have gone on since the dawn of time in different forms, feels like they're accumulating in a way that we obviously need to act on, but it is just not something that is popular. It's the reason Democrats don't go go after civil trial lawyers. It's the reason we don't do medical brown practice. There are some things that become in a way third rails. However, I feel like the, for me, a lot of the Chauvin verdict offers a peek into how it is possible to ask for accountability without seeming like you are anti-fill in the blank or pro-fill in the blank. And I think that's actually where you are seeing now. I would bet that that's where West Wing conversations are going. Like this is, it's why Merrick Garland can get at a podium and say what he says, it's why Harry, in kind of your thoughtful remarks, you're able to say this is something different and that is a window. But for so long, it was not something that we could cross. Why? And it's why I think you heard Brian Williams kind of step into it. You had gotten a little bit of hot water on the day that the verdict was released because he talked about how, you know, it's families of families of police officers that go into law enforcement. So they all kind of come up in like the same fashion, but he's not wrong. And I think that's, it's it's so these end up being community tropes. These end up being kind of what are considered middle-class heroes and they're held out that way, blue collar workers. And that has been what Biden and many others have campaigned on. So I don't know, David, I just don't think that it was ever gonna happen. And by the way, if you're Kamala Harris, not that she was asking me, she's already been saddled with immigration. I know she's ideally suited for this, but you're giving her two of the biggest albatrosses in a way that I think is just unfair to that woman. I mean, she deserves a lot more. I actually don't think she should be handling the Northern Triangle. I think she has other things. I would rather her handle policing and prosecuting, but she's got the cards she's been dealt with and handing her this would be to hand her a dud.
0: uh, You know, Harry, same question, but uh, you know, the question crossed my mind because of what you just said if we don't produce major change then every trial is going to take place once in a courtroom and once in the street every mm-hmm. time and because there is so many years of so much abuse um, and you know different states are going to handle it in different ways but we we are going to be locked in this cycle unless there is some kind of systemic police reform and if i may be allowed a you know brief uh Uh, unpaid political announcement here. They're good unions and bad unions. And as far as I can see right now in the United States, police unions are bad unions. There are a lot of guys out there promoting, you know, uh, regressive policies in this regard, racism, all sorts of horrible stuff. Maybe it's because I live in New York, because the New York police union is the enemy. Mm -hmm. These guys are not helping. Yeah, well, first, let me start there, because that is 100% the
2: issue. You know, I myself am wary, as I think the Biden administration is, of being too quick to claim systemic racism here, there, and everywhere. But you have the near equivalent in that you have unions being so between the actual culture, the blue wall silence, and that was a huge thing in Chauvin that that was broken. But be so, and that might have ongoing cultural uh, impact. But besides the actual um, culture part, there's a legal part. It's just the unions have a hammer lock on the way the arbitrations work, and what, and and the effect is the old school cops, and they tend to be, by the way, the union leaders, um, are really smother when 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 bad when bad stuff happens. Uh, and there isn't a video in particular, that's where unions have eight sort of different ways to keep it from from accountability from occurring. I just wanted to to state that as the big issue. First, I totally agree with Kavita. This was never going to, this Biden was specifically not that kind of Democrat. And, you know, they were were never going to be siding publicly with what looked to be like, you know, I'll just put it out there, the sort of, activist side of black lives matter the real you know not not the not the general side that's that's um, uh, has gotten a lot of broad support but i mean the real you know hostility toward cops that's not biden from from day one but also i think there's a real policy concern there that they you know would be the, the, I think now they are going to. They're not leading; they're following from all that's happened. And I think, as Kavita said, there'll be things that are happening, especially at the DOJ level. But they're not sure about you know whether a whole kind the, the sort of uh, broader measures we can call it defunding. But I think we all agree that's a misnomer. But the 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 cluster of things that that go with that um, name whether they're all you know wise for for communities why wise is the way to go it's it's i i i think it's one thing to recognize the problem but another to endorse you know particular solutions i'll just say very quickly on the on what you it's a good point in about some of the abuses when it's mental health issues etc but i've done a lot of ride along with cops and good cops still because they have, because they're good, a and b, but they have the ability to go in and and diffuse things. They make a big difference, and I, that I think your local social worker might not do. There's you, you, you know, you. It, it really is. Um, it can matter. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just uh, saying that I think part of their ambivalence is actually policy driven.
1: Harry, I'm actually glad. So I, I just yes. want to say what one of the things I'm, I'm gonna do. Not to put both of you yes. on the spot. Like, how many yeah. of us like no cops? So like, yeah. the, only, the only reason I know I'm friends still with two detectives in San Antonio, and the only reason I am is because I grew up. David, kind of like you, Harry. I don't know you. No. I grew up in a very poor neighborhood in San Antonio, and if you did not, if you were like a male who actually like was hoping to like make it good for your family. You went into the military because it's San Antonio with like seven, you know, bases or you went into the police and and law enforcement. So I actually know a number of cops and they are distraught at like the number of propositions. And I don't know here, if you've been monitoring, I mean, the level of kind of local demand through propositions and something to basically defund the police have really reached kind of a peak and I've been, nervous because Harry what I see what I see my friends they go into domestic abuse situations they are able to do more than I can as a doctor because I can never even get into those situations
2: right everyone's screaming and you can't sort of separate the actors so
1: I don't know so how do we do it and Harry what 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 are what do we do what happens if I don't want to defund the police but where do i go how you know is it these propositions that are kind of yeah. pushing accountability what is the future of what you do if you don't want to just make this kind of very unilateral
2: i know so first i'll say i'll say two two things though so, you know it's not my expertise but first there really really has been a sea change even in the last 20 years cops younger you know take a take the whole population of cops under 40 90 percent of them are, you know, are really good. Cops are largely good forces in society and want to be. And there's a lot of social pressure among them not to be assholes. It's so, I, you know, you, you really have to. And the leadership tends to be the word, but they're the old guys who are being pushed out. So that that's one. The second thing I would say is that I do think it's community by community. I, You know, this is why the department is important. But there are, the, the question's not, there's always gonna be a bad cop around. The question is how the community will respond to it. And there are, the real problem that remains, but it's smaller and smaller, I really think, is, is departments where the culture is, um, you know, racist, hostile, old school, you know, the, the enemy. And those, you know, have to be dealt with aggressively. And there are, there are tools for it. And I, the, the policing act, by the way, has some, uh, you know, good things, both carrots and sticks that are in there. But I, I just want to say, David, I see it, you know, this would be a whole nother show as more a matter of bad pockets than I do as system wide. Some of the pockets, to be sure, by the way, are, muni- are big cities like Chicago, as best I can tell, is still, you know, kind of funky but cops cops are getting a, an unduly bad there. I can get myself in trouble here, but I'll just say it. They're, they're getting an unduly bad rap all by and large now, I think.
0: Let me, let me say a couple of things just in response to Kavita's point yeah. and, and to yours, Harry, and then we can respond to it. We'll probably wrap up after you guys respond to the next thing, but, but um, one, I do know some cops uh, I, I point out did. that Rosa Brooks who's one of our co-hosts yeah. on Monday yeah. True. Uh, has, has not only been a cop but she uh, has just written a book called Tangled Up in Blue. I don't know if you've read the book Harry or Kravita but.
1: It well, is very good. It's, it's, yeah. it's,
0: it's really good and Harry she's somebody you should have talking in your show. She, because oh that'd be great yeah. She's, but, yeah. she's thought about it a lot but um, uh, and also um, you know I, we, we had a Eric Swalwell on a couple of weeks ago and Eric's father and brothers are cops. right? And he was talking about his perspective on that. And I've dealt with cops, although in in a variety of different ways, but I did a lot of work with the police that did sort of counter-terror intelligence in in the United States, and particularly in New York City. And there are some remarkable people, people I really admire a great deal. When you talk about systemic change, though, one of the ways that you produce systemic change in policing is not actually within the police. If we don't invest money in mental health care in the United States, there is a problem in the street that the police end up having to clean up. That's right. If we don't invest in fighting homelessness in the United States, there is a problem in the streets that the police end up having to clean up. Um, And uh, I think both of those are areas where you know, we could do with one less F-35, right? We, we could do with one less uh, fighter plane that nobody wants to fly uh, and spend some money uh, treating health care, mental health the same as we treat other forms of health, um, uh, getting getting homeless people off the street and dealing with some of the other causes of tension. Drug, drug law reform is another area where... Um, uh, you, you would change the the, the, the character of, of policing mm-hmm. dramatically mm-hmm. by producing that kind of change. So some of the change has to come from without. Yeah. And that includes dealing with systemic racism everywhere that you could do it. But some of it has to come from within. And it, you know, just, it, you know, the, the the fact that it's politically hard doesn't mean, you know, in my view, that it's something that we should avoid because I do think, that to the extent to which it's not addressed. And I, you know, you can see where it's going. Texas, red states, they're gonna say, we're gonna elect, you know, mayors and attorney generals mm-hmm. and sheriffs and other kinds of people, yep, who are gonna take a hard line and we're gonna protect you from those criminals, and we're not gonna let, you know, and 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 other states are gonna take a completely different view, and we're gonna have two speeds in America. Uh, on, on this issue, and I think that's not gonna, not gonna help things. Anyway, Kavita, last thoughts, and then I'm gonna. Harry's our guest, so we'll let you.
1: Yes, finish I it definitely. My, mine's very brief. I, I, I'll just relate this to kind of the systemic racism we see in healthcare. One observation I've made, we have plenty of research on it. We do not need, um, sadly, as many trials or precedents because we just know they exist and you just have to look at COVID. But to your point, David, I would say that um, until we actually do have, and Harry made it, until we actually do have kind of a cleansing at the top where power is concentrated, and this includes the halls of medicine, we're probably not going to see that change from within because what i what I, what i have observed is that those who are in power only want to bring up people who have kind of very similar kind of you know very similar outlooks policies processes in mind and so this does not stop until we do have that kind of cleansing and that you could insert that into systemic racism in law enforcement, healthcare, education, financial mobility, job opportunities. It doesn't matter. That's so it is going to take time, but it's also going to take conscious efforts uh, to displace candidly probably people and this might include i'm going to say this as someone who's a huge nancy pelosi fan i would say this goes for lawmakers as well there was no surprise to me that after nancy pelosi made her i'm going to misquote her verbal comments that you know george floyd's death finally achieved justice and so many of us Mm -hmm. i think not just in twitter but everywhere kind of went like Mm -hmm. "Did, did she really say that like read the room but that kind of reflects like what i'm saying so i'll just stop there and and I think this was a this is one of my favorite deep state discussions. So just just <laughs> yeah, making well, a note that Ryan wasn't here, but they're not related. <laughs> <you know. laughs> um, yeah. Well, Harry, you know. I mean, so let, I'll just i
0: we've, got, just we've say, got you here to speak for the younger generation, the rising exactly, generation, for the the kiddies.
2: Here's you should get by the way, uh, uh, Bianca Vivian Brooks on your on on yours. We're having her t- tomorrow with Jamie Raskin and uh, Phil Rucker. Because she's she's 25 and and brilliant from New from uh, New York, but that's not why you what you asked me. So look, I I I'll, I'll, I 100% agree with what you have said, and it's cops jobs. But, you know, if, if the drug laws were changed uh, dramatically, their practices would change dramatically. All that's true, but we're talking now about law-abiding cops. I while I while I do think the you know the non-law-abiding cops is a matter of more pockets and it's more how the system responds to it. You know, I'll put that to the side, but I just want to say on this, not to, you know, the mental health issue, most cops have 50 times encounters that had, that don't result in arrest or a hundred times for everyone that does. So it's true that we see terrible events where that, that, where the, um, you know, a mental health professional could have made a big difference. But be aware that at least right now you could change this, but at, at least right now you have cops um, restoring the peace or being the first, you know line of defense uh, in ways that have that never augur and never never get close to any kind of excessive force situation where they actually are, if they're if they're accepted in the community, they are able to do quite a lot of the, of the sort, you know, sort of conduct that people think maybe mental health professionals could do better. And, you know, of course, if it comes to a violent, excessive force situation, it's probably when you want the cops. But I just want to point out that the, 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 that our paradigm for we should change this doesn't take account of the 95% of situations where this is what they do and by and large, you know, in a in a pretty decent way.
0: Well, yeah, I, I agree with Kavita. This has been a great discussion. Uh, it has not been great just because Ryan is gone. We miss <laughs> I Ryan. Ryan will come we back miss
1: Ryan. Yeah. next <laughs> week.
0: Um, uh, but, it, but it has been great. He's very soft spoken, though. I feel like I, I was too
2: excitable for being in his place. I don't want to I don't want him to tear me a new
0: asshole when he's here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You could never be in Ryan's place. You have a place of your own, that's, always.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, and also, Kavita <laughs> and I bring, you know, Texas and New Jersey. You, you,
2: yeah, you, yeah you, you, you bring Texas to, to,
1: to
0: Times Square.
1: Texas yeah. Justice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what we call it. It's yeah. David hey, Texas event. Justice. Ooh. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. But, but but in any event, uh, it's great to have you here, Harry. And I do recommend that so everybody much. listens to Talking Feds. I think for the most part, podcasts are a pox on America, and, and they should be eliminated but i think harry's is really really great <laughs> thank you um, there are definitely too many of them and and maybe it should just be harry's and ours frankly but you know i'll leave that to the listeners to decide um in the meantime we've got a lot of very interesting stuff coming a lot of great guests coming up in the in the in the weeks ahead go to the DSRnetwork, uh, com to find out what's coming up sign up to be a member support what we're doing we're moving towards more and more interactivity for our members, so more and more you will be able to participate in the discussions, ask questions, help shape where we're going with uh, each of these discussions, um, and uh, I think that's one of the things that sets a podcast apart from a broadcast, and uh, uh, and and we'll be doing some other kind of innovating. So go to the DSrnetwork.com and find out what that is we are doing. Uh, Join us again here uh, next week for each of the podcasts, including our Thursday show with Kavita and with Ryan, who will be back. Um, Thank you very, very much, Harry. Thank you, Kavita. Thank you, everybody listening. And stay healthy, everybody. Bye-bye.